dumb fun. Somehow, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Musical the movie the podcast. Musical the movie the podcast. Musical the movie the podcast with Andy and Steph. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Musical the Movie the Podcast. I'm Andy Fleming. Hi, I'm Steph Smith. Yes, and uh, Steph, why are we doing this? Um, why are we doing this? Because we want to be insufferable in a more public way when we're talking <laughs> about our love for movie musicals. That's right. I want to say musical theater, but that's not even my term here because we're talking about movies. Yeah, that's sort of the thing. Like we both have a big love for musical movies and I I come from more of a a musical theater background, but um, that's fun to translate into a movie form. That's a weird way to say that. Yeah, it's more me. This is my first podcast. (laughs) Your very first. Congrats. What? So talk about how you come from theater. What does that mean to somebody who has no idea what that means? So uh, treading the boards, as some say. Uh, No, they don't say that. Uh, (laughs) They they do. They love to say that. they do. They do love to say that. Yeah, I was a theater kid. I was not like a, a good actor by any means, but I just really loved to be in shows, work on shows, talk about shows, go to shows. And that sort of followed me through through adulthood. Well, so you that followed you into at what point would you say you stopped actively participating and creating theater after college I grew up I put away my childish things <laughs> and uh yeah just kind of didn't didn't have time to explore it as much as I as I used to and I miss it um and so like really primarily movie musicals have been like my foray into into theater since then and you, what about you, you? Can you tell us about your theater experience? <laughs> sure, yeah. So I uh, I auditioned for plays in high school. I was not allowed to be in any of them. Uh, I auditioned <laughs> for A Few Good Men, and brother Michael Livaday said, no, but can you talk to your dad about getting us some furniture for the set? Um, <laughs> and I did. I hooked him up. They got free furniture. I went to see A Few Good Men with my mom, and she cringed as the judge banged the gavel on the loner table. And then uh, I auditioned. I auditioned for pretty much every play, but the one that I, that I found and they cracked, cracked into the biz on was a little play called Everyman, an allegory about how you can't take it with you when you die. And uh, I was cast as, so in the play, there's one character named the Five Senses. But what Brother Michael did is he made that character five characters who all say the lines together. That's some classic high school theater shit. (laughs) Yeah. So that was the only play I was ever allowed to be in in high school was I was taste in the five senses. And the reason I know I was taste, it was not, it was not in the text at all that I was taste, but he gave me a tie with images of pizza all over it to wear. And that's how I knew that I was taste. (laughs) And so I've always just been like on the outside. And then I was a communications major in, at the University of Memphis and we shared a building with the theater majors. And so it was always just like, I was on the outside looking in at the theater kids and that, you know, they would show me uh, uh, Rocky Horror and I'd be like, okay, all right. I mean, I'm, you know, I understand all the sexual repression and everything that goes into this, but that doesn't make me want to be any less a part of this community. And so instead I, I became a comedian, a, stand, a stand-up comedian and um, just watch musical movies. And, I, and I'm pretty fascinated by the turn from stage to screen and how things are either change or don't change when you make a play into a movie. 
Uh, and I think that's a lot of the things that we're going to talk about today, because what, and that's, which brings me to my next question for you, Steph, uh, what is your relationship to the, the, the play Cats? So I first, I've, I've never seen it live on stage, which is uh, a great tragedy for this world, <laughs> but I have seen, they did a, a, like a recording of the stage show that was first shown to me by our um, upcoming, our, our guest for this episode, Tina. Um, and I remember watching it and feeling like it unlocked something. I was like, I don't know, late high school and it unlocked something in me about how a a play doesn't have to be about anything. A play can just, (laughs) it can just be about cats and about dancing and, and T.S. Eliot poems. And that can be a play. It's so I um yeah and this was by the way the 1998 I assume that the famous like uh, 1998 yeah, that's, that's home the, video that's the one with the okay all right I've heard tales uh from uh, a future friend of the show Jamie Schreiner t- yes no no pun intended sorry with tales um <laughs> that that Rum Tum Tugger was like quite the like sexual awakening for a lot of people of of our age is that an experience you had y- yeah I, I I guess I can't <laughs> tell how much of it was. <laughs> How much of it was Rum Tug Tugger and how much of it was me being a 16-year-old girl in northern Wisconsin. But right. um, yeah. And and you know, speaking of adaptation, I think that's definitely something that's gonna gonna carry through to this film adaptation. Well, I so I, I have never seen cats live either. I've I've never seen most musicals live. And I guess my relationship with cats uh, starts with the movie. Uh, it was the last movie that you and I saw together before the pandemic started. Uh, in, in January of 2020, we went to the, the beautiful AMC River East downtown, uh, saw cats. <laughs> and I guess I guess the only thing I want to say before we really get into this movie is that the weed I had that day must have been better than the weed I had when we watched this last night, <laughs> because <laughs> I loved it in the theater, man. I was just all on board. And, uh, and boy, last night I was, dra- I felt like it was dragon. I felt like these cat's tails were dragon. See, I had the opposite experience, which is that, well, kind of, which is that, so when you and I saw the movie together, it was my second time seeing the movie and I too had some weed and I just like understood the cat. <laughs> I was the cat. I, I remember coming out of that, like ranting about the hybrid visualization of how they're, they're people, but they're cats. And like, I, I really, it was transformational and I have been abstaining. I've been sober all summer. And so I was very sober when we watched it last night and I think I loved it more. Really? I think that it just, it just like opened something in me. And I was really pleased to find that it was my love of cats shining through. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to get into this. A human cat hybrid, the acting, the CGI, <laughs> all of it. It's quite the film uh, from Academy Award nominee Tom Hooper, a British Australian filmmaker. He he certainly he certainly did the damn thing here. No one can argue that he made this movie. But I mean, when we saw it, there was kind of this mix in the theater of people who were there to laugh at it and people who were there to to enjoy a movie. And I do remember that because it's a very similar feeling that when I saw Morbius recently, (laughs) that like 
there was there was wild applause when the title card came up and then we sat in silence for two hours of morbius and then wild applause when the title card came up at the end so like sometimes people just want to go to a movie to laugh at it and i think that's what i thought we were doing when we saw it the first time and then little did i know that i was going to fall in love with a well there's no way to say it a number of cats So I think with that, uh, I think we should bring our, our guests and stuff. Yeah. So I guess one one thing just je- so so Andy is um, a stand up. He's a comedian. He's uh, a podcast tour. He's a very well connected fellow. And uh, and and through that, we're going to have a lot of really fun comedic and performing guests coming on. And I am a former theater kid who has a lot of friends who are former theater kids and some current theater kids. And so we're each inviting a guest. And so I, I guess I'm going to start by inviting um, the aforementioned Tina. Hello. Hi, she Tina. agreed to her last name being on here. Tina Hoff. It's me. It's oh, that's Tina true. Hoff. <laughs> Tina Hoff. And then I, let me introduce my guest, who is a, a guest from the world of stand-up comedy. I don't I don't believe he has a podcast, which is just wild for a stand-up comedian in this day and age. Uh, but you can catch him regularly on a podcast, and that podcast is NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, where he is often a panelist. Uh, and that's our friend Adam Burke. Hi, Adam. Hello. Hi. Hi, hi, hi. I want to know more about this pizza tie. <laughs> it was like <laughs> fo- it was like photorealistic pizza, uh, just uh, just all throughout the black background, photorealistic pizza. All did, you keep, did you keep it? I don't think so. I think I think it had to go right back in the costume bin afterwards. So they could use it for you know the production of Our Town the next year. So using a Is that in photo- a ch- Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> yeah, that was all they had: a window and a Chuck E. Cheese. What was the, what was the director of this? Taste of the uh, senses play. <laughs> this was uh, uh, Christian Brothers High School's uh, brother, Michael Livaday. My brother went. My older brother went to a Christian Brothers High School. I, oh yeah. I, I was just wondering if using photorealistic uh, pictures of pizza on a black tie to signify taste was that was he operating on that level of irony? <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I mean, I would love to think he was, but uh, I don't know. He has, you know, look, brother, I, I just want to say to Brother Michael, if he's listening, <laughs> um, you know, he taught me, he, he had some good taste often. He, he, in high school, he told me to check out the movie, He Got Game, uh, which is like not a movie that a lot of high school teachers were, rep- were recommending to their their students and I did and I love that movie so like and then he you know he showed us that we I took a theater appreciation class under him and and you know learned all about that how like we watched four different productions of Taming of the Shrew all in different wildly different styles hmm. he had he really knew a lot of stuff but like man sometimes he just put it right on the nose and that's which is another sense as you know smell <laughs> Tina what is your so you you come from the world of of uh, theater like stuff that's how you guys met I believe right Absolutely. Steph and I played guards in a very early high school production of Richard III. Um, we were incredible at it. Um, and so, <laughs> we so used, I also d- we use these halyards to like thump on the stage to oh, make yeah. the sound of that guy getting beheaded. It was wow. very dramatic. So you were doing dramatic. onstage practical sound effects. Oh, from a yeah. young age, of course. Is that, is, that um, Cla- is that Clarence when Clarence gets it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's yes, right. it is. Yeah. So did a lot of high school theater and some theater beyond. And when I decided uh, that I wanted to, you know, get my, finish my uh, bachelor's degree, I got a costume degree. I've never costumed a production of Cats. I would love to. Um, let's be real. I see that. I know. 
But um, I mean, Katz and I go way back. I, this this late '90s uh, pro shot London recording of Katz. I would watch that shit every single day. Friends and I would go home for lunch in high school, and we would watch all the good songs, and we'd skip all the boring ones. Um, literally every day of senior year. I cannot wait to hear your opinion on what are the good songs and what are the boring ones because it's a real crapshoot. I will give um, you all of my hot takes. Okay, I can't wait. And also, I want to hear when we talk about our reboot at the end. I do want to hear your ideas for costuming. Okay. Okay. I got you. And so then you, you saw the movie? Yes. Steph and I saw the and, movie together. That's right. Okay. Um, we saw it, um, I think the night that it came out, maybe it was very yeah. early in its run. This would have been like Christmas 2019. Yes. Like, and um, maybe like Christmas night 2019. Like, I think we so. might have like left our families to go. We see absolutely <laughs> did. It was a very foggy night, which I think was pretty appropriate, <laughs> kind of setting the mood. Um, I, I mean, Steph did fall asleep at some point during the movie. I don't know if you remember that stuff. Um, but I did not fall asleep. I was enraptured from from that first note to like the very end. I, that, I was mad that she had seen it without me, but her defense was I fell asleep. So I'm happy to see it again. <laughs> In uh, my defense, it was very late and I <laughs> fall asleep a lot. In your That's defense, it. it was fucking cats. cats. Yes, thank <laughs> you. What is your relationship to it, Adam? Have you, had you ever seen it before the movie? I hadn't seen it since I hadn't, no, I hadn't, I'd heard, I'd heard of it by reputation. I was living in London, I think, when there was the, the posters, the two posters that seemed to hold up London were <laughs> Les, Les Mis and Cats. Like if uh -huh. you took either one of those posters down, the entire city would crumble. <laughs> but I hadn't, I'd heard of it by reputation, and I had heard that people thought it was great. And now having watched it in 20, 2019 when it first came out, drunk, and then re-watching portions of it in preparation for this, I would honestly rather watch Andy's play about the five senses. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, I didn't write the play. And also to be clear, I, I realized my telling of it seemed like the play was about the five senses. We were on stage for about maybe three minutes. <laughs> I, I, like I, whenever I tell a show. A, yeah, whenever I tell a story about like a, a play I was in with with one part, I'm like, oh yeah, Richard the Third is a play about a guy who gets beheaded. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Um, uh, yeah, the, uh, Hamlet is about a lady who falls in a lake. <laughs> um, I don't know. Okay, so I guess I guess we should just get into it, right? Should we just jump into this plot? Yeah, I love okay. it. I love that we I, have I, like every yes. possible representation of the spectrum of cats. I'm already I'm already objecting to the notion that there's a plot. <laughs> <laughs> this plot is two and a half pages of to, it's so long and i looked at it and i was like how you need the cats that's it and that's an 11 point font by the way yeah steph's prepared a, a synopsis for us she'll roll through it we'll take breaks as needed uh, so we open on a giant moon and the dissonant broken chords of andrew lloyd weber cats appear poking out of various shadows and street detritus as we watch a human dump a white bag in an alley out of which emerges Victoria, played by dancer Francesca Hayward, uh, a young ingenue cat who is introduced and welcomed by dozens of cats, namely Monkastrap, who I realized his name is never said. I had to like look it up. And when it I said it not. just now, I didn't know if I was saying it right. Oh, that's why I... it was confusing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we were an hour 15 in the movie and I was like, yeah, that one cat, what's the name? the main one and you were like monka strap and i was like i've never heard that word before in my life and i've seen this movie twice um, it's a good name too 
And these aren't just any uh, cats, are they, Steph? No, they're, they're jellical cats. That's right. Uh, we're introduced to Monkestrap and his jellical friends, uh, and they introduce Victoria to their jellical world as they prepare for the jellical ball, an annual ceremony in which cats compete to be chosen to go to the heavy side lair. Now, okay, I would so, like to introduce yeah. here our, my, fir- my first question to the panel, which is they're, they're dying, right? Like, that's got to be the cats. What is the heavy side layer to you? Oh, oh, they're dying. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> it's just, they, they're dead. Wait, the, wait, hang on. The, the, already my mind is blown. This is not something I got at all from the text. No. All, I'm, you're saying- oh, sorry, that's, I'm accidentally hitting my keyboard. Sorry. But... <laughs> it was like some jellical <laughs> dramatic <laughs> chord. Speaking of, speaking of dissident, <laughs> dissident chords, I will say at the get-go, and I'm sorry if I repeat myself throughout, I just want to make this absolute clear. I've never seen a movie like this where every minute it's on screen, I have understood what's going on less. <laughs> True. And, <laughs> Truly. And and I would say care less, but I do I keep I kept watching it. I remember watching it like we we were drunk when we saw it, but I remember watching it gone. At some point, something's gonna make sense. And it never did. No. It's just not about it, that, Adam. Yeah. I think we're gonna <laughs> I think I think we're gonna learn a lot from this plot synopsis, honestly. Um <laughs> But so you think they all have some form of like feline AIDS? It's some sort of like it's like some, <laughs> some sort of like some sort of feline leukemia support group where like they're all gonna die, but only one of them can get this new life. I mean, yeah, right. Okay, all right. They're gonna be they're gonna be reborn into a new into a jellical life. It's into in the a jellical life. <laughs> so, because uh, our main character starts off life in a bag, which is not normally optimal place <laughs> to keep a pet. So, I've always thought let the cat out of the bag man you know tell a secret but you're saying it means that cat has crossed to the other side of existence you gotta murder that cat (laughs) so there's maybe that the cat was already dead victoria was already dead in the bag no because she's not going to the heavy side lair you're getting too ahead of yourselves here we're not there yet we're not there yet all right all right right. right. so let's let's go back to our alley okay Uh, well Uh, uh, are, are we still on the song jellicle cats yeah, we're, I, we're just about to move away, but Okay, well, I please. told Steph last night that I could spend 20 minutes talking about just the song Jellicle Songs for Jellicle Cats. And <laughs> and in fact, I, I also told Steph, I'm pretty sure that Adam could explain some of these lyrics to me. <laughs> because, because there is some stuff in here that I don't like, because it starts off innocently and, and enough where it's like, are you blind when you're born? Can you see in the dark? Yeah, sure, these are cats. These are things cats do. And then it says, dare you look at a king? And it's like, are are cats known for looking at kings? It's an old, it's an old expression. A cat may look at a king. Okay, a cat oh. may look at a king. Have you ever heard that, that before? No, I haven't. Must be. Oh, by the way, is there is there the rest of the like a cat may look at a king, comma? Is there more? Yeah, and then there's a the thing, but I can't remember the rest. Of it. <laughs> and apparently, n- neither could they. And then, and then immediately following that. They said, I love it. Goes, is your bark worse than your bite? Yes. You had, you had, <laughs> you had six lyrics about cats. You've already <laughs> lost the plot. You already can't think of another thing that cats do, and you've gone to another species. Um, well, let me let me tell y'all something about Jellicle songs for Jellicle cats. And this is not a joke. This is not a bit. My Spotify wrapped of 2020, my number one played song was fucking Jellicle songs for Jellicle cats from this movie. And that's not a joke and it's not a bit. It, it was the number one song. And that kind of tells you what kind of year I had in 2020. I think what kind of year we all had. Um, <laughs> So I'm an expert now um, okay. <laughs> on Jellicle songs for Jellicle cats. Okay. What about the thing about, um, let me find it. Can There's something about singing a perfect C. Can, can you as cats, cats do, do 
begin with a begin C. With a C. Oh, okay. And then they there, sing the note the C. There's something it's about a really okay. high one. There, uh, there is something about the singing, singing at astronomical heights. Uh, boy, it really gets specific. I mean, were you there when the pharaohs commissioned the Sphinx? I mean, humans probably were too. <laughs> well, the, the Egyptians a cat. They worshipped cats. The Can you ride on a broomstick to places far distant? Because and witches cats? have cats on their brooms. Andy, you're asking the wrong questions here. Right. What the right, right questions are, I don't know what they are. But <laughs> this all makes sense to me. Yeah, they, okay. uh, again, this is these are the laziest things. I, you know what I, I, because T.S. Eliot wrote this in the 30s, and I bet that they used to like eat cats or something, and there used to be references to like, do you make, are you, are you candied and given to children at Christmas? And <laughs> they probably updated that and cut it. <laughs> Okay, this is the last one I'll, I'll ask about. Are you Whittington's friend? Okay, does anyone else? You guys know this, right? No, no not even a little bit. So no. Dick Whittington is a, and I believe Puss in Boots is originally from Dick Whittington, but um, Dick Whittington is a British uh, folktale folk hero. And he's a young boy yeah. who, who walked to London and became like a big wheel in London. And he famously had a cat, Dick Whittington's cat. It's very and, and, oh, and, yeah. and just so you know, I looked it up and, and you're wrong. Uh, uh, Antonio Banderas was originally. <laughs> Sorry, you're right. That's right. <laughs> Puss in Boots was created by the wizards over at DreamWorks. Yeah. yeah. You're sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spielberg, and the G guy. <laughs> All right. So the cats scatter as Macavity, played by Idris Elba. Our first, our first like real Hollywood moment appears and does a little pre-prize introduction of his spookiness. Um, and then he dramatically vanishes. This is not, so this is not one of the times where he yells McCavity and then disappears, but that does happen multiple times. And, and it's I a just, treat. It is a treat. A Nothing treat. makes me Every laugh time. harder in this movie Every than when time. he yells McCavity <laughs> and vanishes. It's not like an angry police sergeant yelling at a I want your badge on my desk by five, McCavity. <laughs> it also sounds like a, a character created to teach kids about dental care. <laughs> also, can I, I ask this? Because again, I've got a lot of ignorance about this. I've never really, I didn't know too much about the play uh, beyond um, a, comedian, a great comedian called Matteo Lane used to do a fantastic bit about seeing the play live and how it <laughs> horrified him. But I have a question. So McCavity shows up, he's wearing a hat. Some <laughs> some cats in this wear human clothes mm-hmm. and some are just right. straight up naked. Yeah, McCavity wears a coat through about half of this movie, actually, if I'm not and mistaken. Then he, yeah, and then and then he has like a nice reveal of his his naked cat body. I would love to see mm-hmm. more human clothing on these cats. Yeah. I'm not going to go too I, much into it, but I think it would really help enhance it, right? I've read your fiction. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Mustafeles uses. He's got a magic top hat. A top hat, yeah. He's got a vest with buttons on it. He's got like a waistcoat with all <laughs> kinds of buttons. And then and sometimes was... the sometimes their clothes are their fur, and sometimes, they, well, we'll get into Jenny and Edots in a second. I guess <laughs> she has the most the most uh, sort of bendable rules about what's clothes and what's fur. <laughs> yeah. So so we're actually we're right about to get there. So so McCavity has scared all the cats away. Um, and then he McCavity vanishes. Uh, and then everyone comes back and they they sing about the naming of cats and introduce us to this idea that a cat has three names. And I love I love this song. I love you're, that this you're is saying like, singing. I think there's there's no music under it, but they're singing and, and dancing. This one's more I of think- a chant to me. 
<laughs> that's that's musical though right but the, the weird thing about the naming of cats in this movie is they talk about the three different names but i don't did i get some snyder cut where they didn't talk about the second name that a cat has right so it's no not like, they don't yeah. they like introduce you to the concept and then mm-hmm. they just leave you hanging right they're like you got the name the people call you and then your secret name and i'm like what about the second name and frankly i'm angry about it because so so are we to assume in the movie so, so to explain maybe to adam at least what we're talking about the, the originally, I think in the stage play, they talk about, their, and in the T.S. Eliot poem, they talk about there's three names, the name the family calls you, the name which is like your name that is your own, and then a secret name. And we don't really know what the deal is with the secret name. But so are we to assume in the movie that uh, that all these dumb names that these cats have are actually what the families call them? No, because they, they call out some of the names like uh, Peter, Alonzo, and James. Did you not uh, memorize all of these? Um, <laughs> and then um, some of the other uh, other names of the cats that we don't hear that we hear in the stage play are like Bombalarina and... Quaxo or mm-hmm. you know weird things so like you've got like the normal people name cats and right. then you've got like the crazy name cats it's kind of a mix in the musical right. and then the secret names we'll we'll never know not even we <gasps> like not even T.S. Eliot in his writing of the poem was like let me give the reader a little glimpse into the secret <laughs> name world I did write down one thing which is that I had never really understood that they gave us all of the ingredients for the Jellicle ball that is coming up and that there will be the Jellicle choice made at the Jellicle ball and that the the cat who will be chosen as the Jellicle choice to go to the heavyside layer will will be chosen by singing the song of themselves of course mm-hmm. which is just kind of lovely which is That's the plot like yeah, name, basically the, song the plot of, of the movie is that all these cats are going to drop in sing a song about themselves for old Deuteronomy and try and get chosen as the Jellicle choice right right which in the stage yeah. show, that's not explicit as explicit as it is in, right. in the film, of course. <laughs> well, there's a lot of things that are more explicit in the film. In <laughs> the ahead, stage Seth. show, it's just sort of happening at you, right? They don't like, yeah. they're not really like putting it in a context. Well, so I also right. know in the stage show, Strap sees the audience immediately and starts talking to the audience and yes. talks to the audience throughout the play. That does not happen here until the very last second, the bone chilling last few, last few minutes yeah. of the movie <laughs> when that we'll get to. Um, but I think, so I think that that's part of um, why we get Victoria. I don't, I don't know. Is she named even in the stage show? She is. is. She there just... is a, there is a kitten named Victoria in the stage show. The she, white I think she gets a dance solo. She does. Yeah. yeah. But she's but... not a, in the stage show, she's not a protagonist in the, classical set i don't think anyone's no, really I, a protagonist in a stage show i think everything that monk is explaining to her <laughs> i'm antagonized <laughs> by the entire production uh i believe that everything that monk is explaining to her in the movie he is explaining straight up to the audience in in the stage yeah. show they right. they so, use victoria as kind of that that audience that uh that device to explain things to that to help us understand but they're helping her understand you know what's a jellical cat I, I really find the first 15 to 20 minutes of this movie to be um, so, uh, uh, I'm like, I'm blanking on the word for when something is unrelatable to you and you and you are outside of it and you, it, you uh, like abstract. Editor's note, the word I was looking here for was alienating. There is no attempt for the casual moviegoer to be welcomed into no, this movie no. in the first 20 minutes. They say Jellicle 150 same, times. Andy, I had the exact same thought 
when I was watching it, I tried to look at it through, through the eyes of somebody who had never seen it and I couldn't do it yeah, because yeah. it just makes absolutely no sense if you don't have any sort of background or experience with this musical prior to that. They also, when is the, when's the original stage musical? It's early 80s, right? Is that right? Or late 70s? Yeah, it's like 81, I think 81. 82. 81, yeah. So they also make the bold or shitheaded <laughs> choice to, to start with, I think what must have been from the original soundtrack or to try to create the original it, it starts with that those awful fucking yamaha synthetic <laughs> keyboard yeah sounds. i remember thinking it at the time when i saw it at the theater but i very much hear i was like is this like a, was that a mistake is this like a bootleg <laughs> this is a, is a temp edit <laughs> Are they going to replace the MIDI? Finish the score. <laughs> it's MIDI. Yeah, it sounds like it's. Oh my lord! It's indistinguishable from when you leaned on your keyboard a second ago. Exactly. <laughs> Mine was a little better. <laughs> I don't hate the like the real synthy chords, but it is crazy how '80s it feels and how there is no attempt to to make it a more modern thing at all. But then they just ditch it. Yeah, they and just, then there, it's so not it's not under it for the rest of the play. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. so, movie. so many this movie is nothing but bold or odd choices depending on <laughs> how you how disposed you feel towards it I, so that's how i feel about the first 15 to 20 minutes i will say once we meet jenny any dots i feel like we're off to the races hell yeah let's meet some cats all right um so monka strap takes us to meet jenny any dots played by rebel wilson uh jenny is a gumby cat who lazes around by day and then no explanation around by... no it's just she's a gumby cat <laughs> Can a Gumby, uh, not, to, not to be, not to get into the Socratic method on this, but can a Gumby cat, are all Jellicle cats Gumby cats? Or can a Gumby no. cat be a Jellicle cat? Are they, are they yes. different? It's like not all Jellicles are Gumby, but some Gumbies are Jellicle. Oh, okay. But not all Gumbies are Jellicle. Which is funny because bo both Gumby and Jellicle both imply like gelatinous to me. <laughs> but if they're going to heaven, surely Jellicle is just... Um, they just sli slide itself the A-N. So it's angelical, right? Angelical. Oh. Wow. If they're wow. supposed to be going to the heavy side layer. Wow. Wow. Even Tina, who has been watching this for the last <laughs> 30 years, <laughs> is mind blown. Uh, so Gum but Gumby basically refers to her state of, is it her state of laziness? Yeah, but I think there's also importantly her state of training mice and cockroaches to do cute dances in the middle of the night, which we are cute. also. Um, well, so what I, thought... I wrote down, what I, oh, I wrote down terrifying mice and kind of cute cockroaches. I think the cockroaches are kind of cute. They got little hats. I, they got. I flip it man flip it there is something so <laughs> horrifying about those that army of cockroach dancers that then rebel wilson as jenny any dots murders in front of our eyes as she's eating them she's <laughs> voring these dancers and i don't That's like true. it i don't so like it does i do want to say that i'm looking at the lyrics right now and it does monkey strap does say she sits and sits and sits and sits and that's what makes a gumby cat oh so she's lazy yeah that whole I, that whole I, it's so funny that you think that this is when we've gone off to the races. <laughs> this was when okay. this was when I started to wonder that someone had spiked my drink. Adam, I have a question for you. What went through your mind when Rebel Wilson unzipped her cat skin <laughs> to reveal a Kit Klein outfit? It's the only sense in which the movie had layers. <laughs> I, could, I, I couldn't wrap my head around any of it. The, the fact that she has cockroaches that she is trained to dance 
and then eats. Is this a searing indictment on the London theatrical milieu in the late seventies? Okay, like, I think I think now is a perfect time for Steph you to bring in uh, that story you have about Andrew Lloyd Webber. It's yeah, it is uh, the original director. Uh, what Hal? What is his last name? Prince. You, yes, thank you. And he's he's talking with Andrew Lloyd Webber, and he's saying, you know, like, is this is this an allegory? Is it like is this Queen Victoria? Is it about you know the the social tensions and Andrew Lloyd Webber says Hal it's about cats <laughs> so yeah I don't think it's a searing indictment of anything I think I think this cat I think it's it, about cats it does and we're dancing all around it but basically she she uh, she's in her words and this does make me laugh deeply concerned with the ways of the mice uh, <laughs> And so she trains the mice to sing and dance uh, and she trains the cockroaches as well. And also what we should say, both the mice and the cockroaches are played by people. Yes, there's a great bit when I was rewatching it, I was rewatching that sequence and I love it because first of all, the editing in this film is bananas. It's like, if we keep cutting every 12 seconds, (laughs) no one will be able to see how shit this looks. (laughs) So I made this literally a shot where they cut to the mice, they cut to one of the mice, and it's almost like the editor went, ah, and then like cut away. <laughs> because the mice children look so fucking horrifying. So yeah, so the cockroaches go, she's, she unzips her fur, she's she's hoping to be chosen as the jellical choice. And I don't know why, like what is her, I think she thinks the cockroaches are her big argument for why she should get a second life. I mean, am I well, wrong? I've never thought about that. It's like, it's like proof of concept. Yeah. I also love uh, Rumor, uh, sorry, what's her name? Rumor Rebel um, Wilson, Rebel not Wilson. Rumor Willis. Rumor Willis. I, how did you know that's where I was going? But that is where <laughs> I was going. Rebel Wilson's, uh, but she made a bold decision uh, just to be completely checked out on every one of her lines. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Where she can, she can already tell. She can tell this is going to be the turkey of the year. And at one point, she goes and they give her these. They give them these cat puns, like which aren't puns. At one point, like she goes, "Oh, look what the cat dragged in," and you can tell that right. off camera, someone was just holding the check, she- <laughs> just dangling it. That well, so and then I mean, spoiler alert, but spoiler alert if you haven't seen cats, uh, Rum Tum Tugger is going to make his entrance next. And <laughs> during the entirety of Rum Tum Tugger, Rebel they have Rebel Wilson making these jokes either to no one like first to monka strap <laughs> and then just to no one she's just standing by herself like i told steph it was almost like they had rebel wilson for five days and then she was just like i got nothing to do i can come in tomorrow and just do some puns and she just <laughs> there's just all these reaction shots of her just doing puns during rum tum tugger which is not as sexy as the rest of rum tum tugger <laughs> rum tum tugger is so okay so here's what i was saying before i don't I don't really remember my original introduction, but I will never forget the image of Jason Derulo entering as Rum Tum Tugger, the curious cat. The only other thing that I have to say about him is that he dances to uh, the tune of the Seinfeld bass theme. (laughs) Now, is he British, Jason Derulo? I don't think so. American. No, he's American. He does a kind of passable British. I mean, Adam, you'd be able to tell us more than anything. (laughs) I have a real question. Rum Tom Tugger, is that his human name, his own name, or his secret name? I think all the names we hear in, in the movie are the, are the second names, the, the, oh, okay. their own names. Their own name. Tina, you feel that's accurate? I mean, yes. 
I mean, okay. we hear some of the human names, right? But I think most of the the wild and wacky ones, I think we are to assume that those are their like cat names. But then the for instance, know. Mungo Jerry and Rumble Teaser, they 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 say that the humans talk about them and they use those names. That, but so I don't know. So who's to say? Is Rumple is Rumple Teaser not like a normal name where you're from? Uh, no. <laughs> Wait, are you talking about Ron Paul Teaser? <laughs> That's a little trailer I got for when Ron Paul oh, yeah, ran yeah, for yeah. president. <laughs> Jason Derulo, he he dances his ass off. He's he's singing. He looks great. I I don't know what he's doing there, but he looks great. Oh, he looks um, incredible. We do, or as I should say, we call him in our house. Uh, January, February, March, April, May. Jason Derulo. Uh, <laughs> after that famous TikTok, or probably Vine. I feel like his so, yeah. look was like the proof of concept that got them the money. He's <clears> got like this like scarf thing going, but that's it's also like part of him. Yeah, in the I mean they in the stage show he's it the costume is great at the beginning he kind of starts off in his normal thing and then he gets this lion like almost like a rough you know uh, not uh, a rough they're not that. dogs but it's like a like a rough um, like a you know, kind of yeah like to like add to that and so I think you know Jason Derulo here with his like coat ooh it's it's a good look um, but basically his look. whole deal is he's 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 unpleasable. He's fickle, but he's yeah, you can't yeah. please him. If you offer him fish, he'll want rabbit. If you want give him rabbit, he doesn't want that either. Put him outside, he wants to be inside. And he thinks that makes him deserve a second life. <laughs> well, he's got to do one each way. Oh, okay. That's that's a really good point. He wants to live one life being fickle and then one life not being fickle. The ultimate fickle choice. <laughs> no, it's pretty uh, much choice. Oh, uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so we get Rumtown Tugger, and then we get a little quick introduction to Grizabella, the glamour cat, played by Jennifer Hudson, serving some Sweeney Todd beggar woman vibes. <laughs> and we don't really get a lot of details, but we do get a lot of sassy ass cats, like mocking this poor street cat. Just tearing her apart. Just Truly vicious. Right to her face. The one thing I'll do say is that no matter what you're doing watching this movie, Adam, I, I don't know. I'd love to get your opinion on this. I feel like even once Jennifer Hudson starts singing, you're just like, okay, I'm I'm listening. Like she is the greatest sing actor of all time. Yes, but yes, but the film never establishes why she's so fucking sad. That's how good she is, though. I will say is that you just buy that she's really sad. I, I'll take I take your point on that. That it's right. like, oh, that's great, and then unfortunately, the rest of the movie continues unabated. It seems like why why she's sad is because she has been shunned due to her uh, going with McCavity at some point. But do they establish that in the film? I think yes. they, I think they do, they do in that in that first scene where we meet her, or maybe it's later. But but they do establish that in the film. <laughs> That's everything you it's... need to know about the film. You have no idea why a, a primary motive has been established. <laughs> and and it's unclear to me like if she went with McCavity, why is she still not with McCavity? And what happened there between her and McCavity? I think we need no a cast too, a prequel. Yeah, we definitely yes, do. Yes, we, we definitely do. do. Kittens. <laughs> Kittens. <laughs> um, okay. It's, so, no, it's, so, uh, it's uh, what's that noise in the alley? <laughs> <laughs> heat. Oh, wait, they did that one already. <laughs> no. <laughs> I would take a heat musical. <laughs> So we are introduced to the idea of being hateful to Grizabella and then in busts James Corden as Bustifer Jones. I mean, what an AB. <laughs> I mean, we're like, we're, we're, we're getting emotional for the first time with Grizabella. 
And then here comes this motherfucker. Adam, you're already shaking your head. What? (laughs) Every time you mention a new bit, it reminds me that I've seen it. Uh, I mean, J- James Corden is, I- I'm not a James Corden hater. Like a lot of people are, I'm not a James Corden lover, but the- this movie tries to make me a James Corden hater. <laughs> this, is, this is the lowest I've ever seen James Corden go in his career. And, and he is like, at the, he's at his pinnacle as a famous person when he yeah. made, makes the choice to say, yes, I'll be Buster for Jones. The um, jellical choice, yes. The jellical, thank you, the jellical <laughs> choice. But I'm not, and I'm not sure there's anything he he could have done or there, I'm not sure there's anything anyone could have done to make Buster for Jones something that is for adults in a movie. Disagree, disagree. Go on. Go on. Buster for Jones is charming as hell. He's just wow. a cat he likes to eat. He's coming into all the clubs. He's eating all their leftovers. He's getting their winkles and shrimps, whatever a winkle is. A winkle is charming. like a muscle. Thank you. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> I did not know what a winkle was. It's just a like a charming fat old cat. And he loves his life and he loves to eat. Does that, the I, same. Doesn't that just sound lovely? I love, I, I, they do some real fun uh, trash can work here. We're like, we're sort of reminded that this, this came from the stage and they, they take the opportunity to like, give us a little mini soundstage full of trash cans that are also like slides that you can move in and out of. I just love that choice. Let me clarify. I feel I need to immediately redeem myself. I do not like James Corden in this role. Okay. (laughs) I don't like that. I busted for Jones as, as a, as a stage character, just like a fat little tuxedo cat. Love it. James Corden, get the fuck out of my movie. I'm not a fan. Not a fan. I'm realizing by the way, that like we are at the bottom of we're like 33% of the way through the ostensible plot of this movie. And something I don't think we got to meet some more cats. I will say something I don't think you even wrote down in that plot summary is that during Bustopher Jones, uh, McCavity shows up and teleports uh, Rebel Wilson away. Mm. She's our first disappearance, important yeah. first casualty. Uh, yes, our first, Does our this first McCavity play. No, no and in, in fact, in the stage play, I don't think McCavity even shows up until Act Two. Oh, did you did you just call him a, a casualty? <laughs> <laughs> No, but now uh, I will. So, so Ginny Any Dots is the first McCasualty. Uh, and then, and then um, Bustopher Jones follows shortly after. He also is a McCasualty. Um, yes. And then we do meet. By, and wait, finally. can we talk about the McCavity yeah. tricks him into trying to jump into a trash can that he has booby trapped. Is that correct? I think so. Right. Then we get the shot of them looking in it being like, oh, where did he go? Did he go like it was that? magic. Yeah. <laughs> well, they do it. have that like magic it. cat. Yeah, but he's one of the good guys. <laughs> That's not the kind of logic that you need to depend Wait, on it. Who's the good what? Who? There are good and bad the magic, guys in this? There's. <laughs> well, McCavity's the magical bad, Mr. Mistopolis. I kind of got that, that he was. But also, he's making cats disappear. So to me, that's <laughs> sterling work. Um, okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, I should all say right. I'm, I'm deathly allergic. By the way. But also, wait, is James Corden's character is a good guy, just a horrendous glutton. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing like inherently evil about being a glutton. Well, I know a certain book that would disagree with you about that. It's called the Bible. <laughs> yeah, it's got six other. Wait, is this the five senses or the seven senses? <laughs> yeah, I was gluttony. That was the sense of gluttony. No, but he's just like an upper class. Like he's the St. James, right? Isn't he the cat of St. James or the something? The cat of St. Like James. Yeah. He goes down to all the clubs. He runs around to see what food is happening at all the clubs. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there is nothing inherently good about him to me, except that he's like, he's nice to Victoria. I also, I also thought 
thought it was funny, Andy, that you were talking about what is what is in this for kids. Like, I don't understand who this. I don't know about the stage play, but the that, film, I do not know who it's aimed at. Do children like seeing cats covered in awful? Like at <laughs> one point, he just dumps an entire like bin full of carcasses on cats, and I'm like, that's that's Grand Guinol. That's horrific. That's horrific. <laughs> Who who is this for is a big question. Like I read about how the play was like a sort of a revolution in thing in a play that you could bring the family to, but this movie definitely does not seem like it's for families. This movie <laughs> is it seems hypersexual. I would call it hypersexual. At least attempts to be mm-hmm. hypersexual. It's that Rocky mm-hmm. Horror kind of hypersexual where it's like this is what <laughs> this is what a virgin thinks is sexual. <laughs> what is what is the rating? Is this a PG rated film? I think so. This is a P. This is certainly not R. I think no, it's the, but, PG, the butthole cut, it? of course, was R. Of of course, of course. <laughs> These cats do have uh, dance simulated sex in the stage show. Oh, just a lot but it's, of it. It's very tame. Oh yeah. So we got to meet Mungo Jerry and Rumple Teaser, some twins, oh, and they lure Victoria into their house where they just have a lot of like mischievous, chaotic fun um, that ends up with uh, Victoria trapped in a pearl necklace while the family dog is is about to uh, attack them. And they just kind of leave her for dead. It's the family dog but- played by a human in a dog costume. I can't remember. Uh, a, <laughs> it's actually not on camera. It's off. So I think that's going to mean a yes. I, th- I think that there's a there's a choice to to never see a dog on screen, right? Because that would push believability. Yeah, we've yeah we've seen the cockroaches and the mice, and that's all fine. This is a PG rated movie, by the way. Thank you. So after we meet Mungo Jerry and Rumple Teaser, um, we get our first like substantial sexual tension between Mr. Mistopheles and Victoria, Mr. Mistopheles rescues Victoria. And they just, they do a lot of, of necking. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. They're like, they're necking. Is there, am I wrong? You're not um, wrong. And, and I have to say, I, I don't appreciate Tom Hooper and his desire to no homo Mr. Mistopheles at us. <laughs> Mr. Mistopheles is very, very gay in this show. And it's just, he's trying to to throw, throw a woman at him. And I don't uh, appreciate it. Really? So is the, is is the is the Mistopheles Monkestrap uh, uh, ship ha- there in the in the play, or is it's, it is it just it's, it's coded just the way that Scribble it's coded a little bit, right, right. Okay. Um, I mean, if the fan fiction is to be believed, um, right. and I think it sort of depends on on the adaptation or the the staging. They share some lascivious looks, those two in the movie Monkestrap and, and Mistopheles. They do. I also want to talk for a second about Mungo Jerry and Rubble Teaser, who are. I think the biggest dicks in the play. Uh, the, their their whole uh, thing is that they are going around fucking with people's food and their belongings. Uh, and I do like a number of the cats. Their whole characteristics are we're assholes. Uh, Rob Tom Tugger is like you can't please me. Even Mistopheles with his magic is like, yeah, I take knives and I hide them in the lawn later in the play. But Mungo Jerry and Rumble Teaser, their whole thing. And there's there's a video somewhere on your phone stuff of me drunk or high or something talking about how much I hate Mungo Jerry and Rumble Teaser from, from the middle of the pandemic <laughs> that I think you sent to Tina. I truly hate them. They're little chaos demons. I love oh, and, them. and then one other thing about, okay, last thing about Mungo Jerry and Rumble Teaser. The, the movie has set us up to be like, 
oh, and here's Jenny Anydot. She's Rebel Wilson. And here is Buster Jones. He's James Corden. And then here's Mungo Jerry and Rumble Teaser. And they're played by two people who don't even have a Wikipedia page. And it just seems like <laughs> they were casting and they cast like the first four people. And then they're like, oh, we ran out of money. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's just go to unknowns for the rest of the cast. Sidebar edited out my internet as being a real shit show right oh, now. Okay. So I apologize for that. That's right. um, probably just two cats fucking with it. <laughs> probably. There is at least one cat in this house. There could be more jellicles in the world. We and just don't know. We're going to talk about this, but your cat looks so much like old Deuteronomy. I was just oh, like cat, staring at Judy Dutch. Yeah. Wow. Just, mm-hmm. Did she, she wearing a wedding ring? <laughs> he's not. He's not. No, he's not. Unfortunately. Uh, it was a real choice, though, because they're if you don't know this here's some cats lore um there's two versions of mungo jerry and rumble teaser the song i was hoping i was hoping yes. we would get into this the mungo you jerry know, rumble teaser controversy you know we're getting into it yeah there's this the the earlier version which is the version we see in the film that's kind of like shifty ooh, kind of spies a little bit and then there's this little like wow 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 like fun kind of <laughs> we're going around and that is the version that's in the like pro shot 1998 stage show and that was one of the songs we would watch every day because that song is charming as hell they're great dancers they're having a lot of fun they're like hey, her, look at us we're all cheeky we're Isn't getting that, our stuff they do like those cartwheel they do the cartwheels too. yeah where they oh, like they're so good. one of them kind of goes upside down and they, oh, and they just together. keep going yeah yeah um and it's it's so great and they're like oh you guys even at the end of it all the cats come out and they're like hey why are you stealing the stuff and this they like literally leave her to be murdered by a dog be murdered by a dog believe it or not you're the not the first person who has complained to me about the choice of which mungo jerry and rumble teaser melody they used in this movie (laughs) was steph the other person no steph was not the other person (laughs) i read a review um in in prep for this where someone um, pointed to that scene and said didn't like the sexual overtones of uh, basically a threesome scene with mungo jerry and rumble teaser because they leave left her with a pearl necklace and i, I was like i don't know and I was yeah like, but it's oh, like I... hey buddy i think that's on <laughs> yeah, you that's, that's more of a you thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay we have to stop talking about mungo Jerry and marvel teaser also that's real not quick, true but we're going there was a very popular uh musician in the 70s who took his name from mungo jerry oh yeah in the summertime yeah 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 yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, that's if your daddy's rich take her out for a meal if her daddy's poor do whatever you want that guy <laughs> yeah yeah so very much based his character off the original Mungo Jerry. There's a it's he's referenced in uh Avengers Endgame, oddly enough, where Yvette Nicole Brown is describing Tony Stark's weird facial hair to someone. He's like, Was it more Mungo Jerry? And yeah, definitely Mungo Jerry. <laughs> uh oh, so so one thing we get here is a little interlude uh where we see what McCavity has been up to. He has been vanishing these cats to a barge on the Thames and they are they're being guarded by Growl Tiger played by Ray Winstone. What um, I, I so- said out loud to Seth last night, what the fuck is Ray Winstone doing in this movie? <laughs> I, I believe you're quoting Ray Winstone. <laughs> you say that. He's just like, and I mean he has maybe three lines in the whole thing. And they're just like, you know, they're just like, who are you? And he's like, I'm fucking Ray Winstone. I know. And that's I think that's one of his lines. Yeah. I'm um, a fucking cat. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, Growl Tiger, from what I can tell, which is Ray Winstone's character, uh, I, I was he's in the in the play. He is a character played by Gus the theater cat, uh, and is oh. only exists in Gus Gus's recounting of playing Growl Tiger. And but here they decided to extract him from that, make him a real cat, make him McCavity's uh, easily defeatable uh, henchman. <laughs> 
uh, played by Ray Winstone. Is there is, is there any thought, and I don't want to jump the gun, but is there any thought that like, because it sounds like they made massive changes. Well, I say massive changes, but they sound like they felt like they needed to create a structure, some sort of story tra- structure, which they did not. Right. I, mean, I can see that they tried to. <laughs> right. But was the, do you know any behind the scenes? Was there a hope that this was going to make it so much more marketable that there was some scintilla oh, of the story? That's interesting. The only thing, the only thing I can speak to about that is that Andrew Lloyd Webber apparently sent a message to Universal Studios a year before the movie came out and said, you've got a car crash on your hands if you don't get this thing under control. Wow. (laughs) And so I don't know. Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber has spoken. And his, and his message was never responded to. And so I don't know if if it's that kind of stuff that he was talking about, but. I do think that this whole, like, we see McCavity and he appears and he does, he makes his, his McCavity noise. Like, I do think that that's their, their attempt to like put a plot onto it, but it's just, it's so disjointed. Like there are no stakes, like spoiler alert, they're all going to escape with no problems whatsoever. Like it's not it's so incidental it kind of seems like it was like a way for them to get like another stage to to see and how do they escape they they escape by remembering that jenny any dots can unpeel her skin (laughs) so yeah literally it's an escape via costume change Uh, oh oh, wow i forgot about that she unzips her skin and for some reason that makes her able to get out from under the chains oh Okay, okay, so we're finally making some jellical choices. So after we we cut away to the barge, we come back to see the wise and beloved matriarch, Old Deuteronomy, played by Judy Dench in what I believe is her final form. Um, she appears <laughs> out of the mist and she, she calls them all to the jellical ball. Um, and so now we're, we're we all all of our little cat buddies crawl into the abandoned Egyptian theater. Uh, I assume it's the Egyptian theater because of the cats. I don't, I don't know so. if there's anything more to that. A clever uh, nod. Well, <laughs> you, you just made me re- remember that at some point someone's talking at, oh, to Bustafer, and someone calls him, starts to call him a bastard, and goes, you're a bast, which is the, uh, Egy- which is the Egyptian god uh, of cat. Uh, Egyptian cat god, I should uh, say. Uh, it's, uh, it's, I believe, the uh, uh, the god they, they, uh, they worship in Black Panther. Yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, you're you're now two for two for for dragging this conversation into the Avengers. So <laughs> that's going to be a running theme throughout this series of yeah, podcasts. I'm sure uh, uh, listeners get your drinking game ready. It's sort of a running th- theme through dating him too. Fair enough. Uh, okay. So we start the Jellicle Ball. I, okay, what I've written down here is the Jellicle Ball commences with a bunch of glorious twitchy tail work. We get notable interludes from Jason Derulo and Les Twins, who uh, guest as uh, Cats, Plato, and Socrates. They're twin brothers who are a French dance duo. And they do they do a nice little nice little number here. They get a nice little number, yeah. um, and we get a, we get a nice group dance that ends with everyone panting and lusting upwards. I like I don't have a lot to say about it other than it's a great group dance number and I'm a fan. Victoria is it kind of rebecomes our our little uh, our eyes, um, and she peeks outside and sees Grizabella again, who is memorying 
all alone in the moonlight. <laughs> and here is where we get a moment between them. Victoria sees Grizabella and tries to relate to her with the Oscar grab Beautiful Ghosts mm-hmm. written by Taylor Swift and Andrew Lloyd Webber. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they did what, what we are doing in every episode of this podcast and they wrote a new song for the remake to try oh. and get an Oscar nomination. And it's not a bad song. The balls on them to put it right after memory is wild. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What do you think of it, Tina? Because you're the you're the stan. You know, I'm not a fan. I gotta say, I'm not a fan. And 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 part of it is we already have a a nice kind of like slow ballad. We have memory. We don't need beautiful ghosts. Were they nominated for an Oscar for that one? Oh no! Oh no! I know they didn't win it, but were they nominated? <laughs> no, the the Oscars would wouldn't have nothing to do with them. They were nominated for a Golden Globe, but that's that's I'm pretty sure that's a that's a check in the mail. <laughs> The song is fine. I think it was it was good if they're going to use Victoria as their kind of through line to give her a song. It's not my favorite. Who wrote, who wrote it? Uh, this is what's interesting to me is it's actually very deliberately co-written by Andrew Lloyd Webber and Taylor Swift in a room together. Like they get in a room together. Andrew Lloyd Webber says, I start playing a melody and she just starts improvising lyrics. And so they they actually co-wrote it. They didn't email it back and forth. They got in a room together and wrote that thing. We're we're gonna we're gonna meet uh we're gonna meet Gus the theater cat played by Ian McKellen. Honestly, um, uh, here's what I'll say about this one: should have been nominated for an Oscar. Ian McKellen for this movie. He, he is doing so much acting. He is <laughs> making all of He's these doing a lot. small choices. Oh, I love it. Well, when uh, I went to see this in the theater, and then because I went in drunk, um, came out drunker. About he, people the next day were like, is you know. I know that understand you went and hate watched it. Was there anything you enjoyed about it? And I said, there's two things I enjoyed about the experience. One was at one point, a woman behind us just went, I don't like their feet, <laughs> <laughs> which, which made us laugh. And then at one point in the movie, McKellen looks point blank at the camera and just goes, meow. <laughs> <laughs> clearly not in the script, clearly just decided this is my feline choice. I can't explain why to me, everyone else is doing cat choreography, but Ian McKellen is a cat. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. He is, he is just like lightly purring. He's like rubbing his head against things as he walks by them. He's, he, he is doing a different level of cat acting uh, in, in this movie to me. I can love I it. A, can I tell a very short anecdote? It's, it's one yeah. of my favorite theatrical anecdotes, but it's, it's, uh, you, you ever heard of the wind in the willows? It's like what Mr. T- Mr. Told's wild ride is from. Sure. They were yeah. doing that on the National Theater, and they had some old actor playing the character of Badger. And this was in the '80s, so they made them all take movement classes. They made them, you know, like the rat had to study rats, and then the birds had to study birds. And this old actor wouldn't go to the classes, and they were like, "Well, you know, you're playing the cat." the character of Badger, we think it's important. And he just cut them off and he goes, you know what? I've actually studied Badgers a lot. And you wouldn't believe this. They move almost exactly like I do. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like McKellen did the exact same thing. He's just like, no, oh, I got this. McCavity does disappear, Gus the theater cat. Also, my interjection here is just that Andy and I have a pet tortoise and our pet tortoise is named Asparagus after Gus the theater cat. We have Gus the theater tortoise. And last um, night she got to see this movie for the first time. Aww. And she loved it. Loved it. I can't imagine how long it would seem to a fucking tortoise. <laughs> She walked out and it took the whole movie. <laughs> um, so we're going to meet Skimbleshanks, the railway cat. Oh, and oh. 
Now, here's the thing. I love Scrimble Shanks. It's too late in the movie for this bullshit. This movie, this no, should have been much earlier. Andy, Andy, I, I disagree. We need it at this point, right? We need to bring the audience back in with the absolute fucking banger that is Scrimble Shanks the Railway Cat. <laughs> I do vaguely remember liking this. I think yeah. this is the one they, number they I like. like they like take us away from the theater through like yeah. movie magic. He's just kind of like tap dancing and all of a sudden he's on a train. Like there's mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm. you don't need to know why it's Skimble Shanks. The railway, the cat of the railway train. Mm-hmm. Oh. The ways that people travel in this movie are teleportation, costume changes, and tap dancing. <laughs> also being um, being catapulted up onto a bin. Yes. To point it out that it takes several cats to do that. Yes. Thank you. We cannot forget that. That is it needs, Thank you. needs several cats for it to look as bad as it does for me to get li- when I get lifted up on wires. There's a lot of fat fat shaming in this movie. There's a lot There's of fat a shaming. Lot of fat shaming. Why? And I, I feel like they either needed to cast someone way fatter or way skinnier as Bustopher Jones. <laughs> right, right, right. All right. So um after Skimble Shanks, we we meet um bum ballerina taylor swift who uh gets a bump up so that she can sing the mccavity song uh Mm -hmm. i like this performance i like the catnip the glowing catnip that she like blows on everyone i think that they do a good job like capturing her little taylor swiftiness as i referenced earlier this is when mccavity finally appears and now he's naked he's like he's Mm -hmm. dropped his his big cat coat and he's just I, I'm not, just I'm not trying to get there. He's just yeah, with he's his just, elbow yes. out. He's just, yeah, he's yeah. Like, he said he, uh, he was quoted as saying, I want to show everyone my cavities. <laughs> I really appreciated the the kind of catnip she's drugging everyone you know that's something uh-huh. we didn't get in the stage show and I think that they they needed to do more with catnip in the show and so that's why uh-huh. yeah you gotta wonder where she got all that catnip from maybe we'll maybe we'll explore that a little later <laughs> but yeah no I actually I like this song I like the sort of jazzy number and and she she looks great she sounds great and she's she's not walking all around so she doesn't look like as much of an idiot as everyone else does she just stays uh-huh. in that in the in the chair or in the little moon that she's in she, she's in the dreamworks logo, i think <laughs> i was surprised when i when i saw this film i was almost said movie but it is a film when i saw this film um because bomble arena in the stage show is just one of the main cats right and she's just kind of singing along with everyone else so when i had heard that taylor swift was cast as this character i was like wow she's gonna be in the whole movie and then she wasn't I would have appreciated maybe a little bit more Taylor Swift and kind of the Jellicle ball, right? I would have yeah. liked her in the, you know, the weird graveyard when they're talking about the the cat's names. She does great in the song, but I could have used more Swift. Yeah, but you get the sense that they had her for three days or something, absolutely. right? And it's like, yeah, if you didn't get it then. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I read that she, she auditioned, she screen tested for Eponine in Les Mis, also directed by Tom Hooper. Oh, wow. uh, but then she was just offered this without having to audition. And one, and also one of the reasons I read that that people think this movie failed is that well they say that they cast Swift to sort of get get young people in and get you know that that group in, but that Swift did not promote the show heavily to to her friends uh, and or sorry not her friends her fans. I was thinking about you guys promoting this podcast when it comes out. Um, <laughs> um, That's but that, a cautionary uh, tale. <laughs> Uh, but so she didn't, you know, she she really Democratic partied it where she just she didn't really endorse the movie till it was too late. I feel like I get the sense that she was there for like two and a half days and uh, James Corden just wouldn't leave. <laughs> <laughs> 
for the for the fifth time, that's a rap on Corden. <laughs> just very pointedly clapping at him, like "thank you." And he's just like shows up every day, and is he's done his makeup himself, and he just hangs out at Crafty, and just like you guys need background for this. So McCavity, well, there's no other way to say it. He he disappears old Deuteronomy, and everyone is freaking out because she she's their favorite. So we've seen Mister Mistopheles this whole time in his magical getup. And I think at one point he gave like magical lightning to Gus, the theater cat, uh, but he hasn't really done anything. And so now we're going to use the magical Mr. Mistopheles to like reconjure back old Deuteronomy. I think we're going to say reconstitute old Deuteronomy. <laughs> I was like, ooh, okay. <laughs> And, uh, and that sounds like it's going to be a lot of trouble, right? For him to do that. No, it's not. He's just going to like, they're going to give him like a song. That's kind of like when they clap Tinkerbell back to life and Peter Pan. And he's just going to kind of do it. And I hate to say this because this is the bit when I was watching in the theater, this is the bit where I, where I started yelling because I kind of got it in the sense of you know the gumby cat yeah there's cats that like are very lazy and all they do is lie around and then there's cats you know the bustifer yeah there's cats that scavenge a lot and the railway cat sometimes there's a weird cat that hangs up there's no cats doing magic i was like i could sort of, <laughs> sort of see uh, this is a way of describing cats but all of a sudden this cat is not only just produces flowers out of a hat straight up necromancy <laughs> <laughs> That's like, like a, he does at one point mention that it's, is it the, it's a knife, right? He's like, he's like, oh, the family's missing a knife. It's because I put it in the yard. And, and that's, that's basically magic. <laughs> that sounds like a line from Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> this movie is so strange. Can I, can yeah. you give me that? I know that I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be overly negative, but it's no. a very no. odd film. I mean, no, we're you, talking, we haven't established that yet, that that's a strange <laughs> movie. So that, I'm not really surprised that you're bringing that up. Yeah. So unprompted. You haven't lied once, Adam. <laughs> he's right though he's right and he should say it <laughs> okay we um we're so close to the end of this movie so mccavity brings back old deuteronomy um the other cats also escape via jenny and that's costume change and then victoria remembers that grizabella is still hanging out outside and brings her into the jellicle ball and just encourages her to sing her feelings and now we get memory but this is the second time we get memory in the in this picture right yeah yes. and i hate that is that yeah. i don't remember it being that way on, it is and that I, way it is i did read that I it is it. that way yeah yeah i hate it they could have fixed it why didn't they fix it because i imagine they could have done a lot play. of things <laughs> in the stage play memory probably closes both acts right the addressing of cats like it does in the movie closes the play but it does close act one yeah which which of the two times jennifer hudson does it in this film do you like better which do you think she cries more convincingly <laughs> oh it's 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 this one this this is the one where like i'm i'm laughing at things i'm complaining about things and then all of a sudden i'm crying <laughs> like I mean, this is this the is, one where she's this she, is the I one that gets her it gets her like her jellical choice right that's this like yeah. she is singing her heart out this is what gets her to the heavy side layer and she's putting it all in there and she's putting it all out there and yeah. i respect it there should be an award for a recognized award for the best thing in a piece of shit <laughs> you know what i mean we're like she should have gotten like you almost the fact that you're like stopped all your snarky remarks for a second and you know what I mean? 
Yeah. And that her performance kind of sits on its own outside of all this other nonsense that's going on. I think they call it the Justin Timberlake Award. <laughs> <laughs> Memory is undoubtedly, a, it is a beautiful song, right? It's a great ballad. Um, I was talking to my husband about this and he goes, did they write that for Cats? I was like, yes. <laughs> he just assumed it was just like a different song they just put into Cats. But here's the thing though, that's a very fair question. It's it's far and away the best song. I think that if someone said that it's doing the numbers. It's the most successful song from a musical because it's being covered by so many people. And also, correct me if I'm wrong. They never mentioned the word fucking cats once in it. It's sort of made to be a standard. It's sort of built. It doesn't quite sound like anything else in, in the musical. So I can sort. Of, I'm saying I sort of see his point. It's kind of I head think and shoulders. It's also, it's one of the few songs that's not a T.S. Eliot poem. Right. 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 Yeah. I think Andrew Lloyd Webber tends to do a thing that, you know, they do in a lot of musicals, a lot of composers do this where they, they make a song that can be like the single, right? So right. in kind of his other musics, you get all I ask of you. Okay. You can have a couple people singing that you could put that on the radio, you know? So, so I think this was that song, right? The song that's intended to be on the radio. It's a great song. Jennifer yeah. Hudson does a great job of it. I do wish it was just one, not kind of a little preview and then like the <laughs> touch me, but it's okay. It's good. I like it. You could see why they were trying to too, because they might have they might have panicked a little bit and gone like you know that why the, why they might have done the preview. What did you call it? The pre prize. Pre prize. Like they the they might have done that because they're like fuck. We better sh- we gotta show them that it's like you know, don't worry. Memory's coming. This is why you know this. <laughs> we thing. got you. Okay, guys, please don't leave. Please. <laughs> I also wanted to say that something that Steph just mentioned about how it's not from T. S. Eliot. Where like, and I'm sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna be overly harsh in this, but like lyrically compared to most musicals, the lyrics in this are shit. And I and I say that because it was poems written for nine year olds. It's poems right. written for children. There's a lot of kind of like facile, kind of silly rhymes and things that like like the sentence structure is shoehorned backwards because these were all just letters that was never really meant for publication. So I totally get it. But the fact they lifted that wholesale and then memories, I think lyrically is very good. And I think it just sticks out in so many ways. And so it's like, maybe you guys should have just started from scratch. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you guys should just go write another musical instead of this. I think that's called Starlight Starlight Express. Express. (laughs) We were the same joke. (laughs) What's the opposite of cats? It is Starlight Express. It's trains. (laughs) So, So obviously... Grizabella is the jellical choice, having bared her soul to Honestly. all the jellical cats. She so she gets into a chandelier, which has to be on purpose because it's Andrew Lloyd Webber. And this time the chandelier is being raised, and then and Mr. Mistopheles turns it into an air balloon, and it flies off into the sky. Um, and then we get one last shot. Our only like closure on McCavity is him sort of trying to like jump on to the string of this air balloon, and then he falls, and that's it. That's the whole story of McCavity. Uh, he has a beauty in the beast death. Is a Disney death. Well, he no, he actually he falls, dies. and then we like sort of see him fall, and then sort of he gathers himself and he looks up and oh. he does like a drat. <laughs> you know, yeah. Because I, I just went in Disney. Oh, and movies. he tries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a way um, to kill We do see him, else. like, he tries to, like, do his magic thing, and he can't do his magic thing. So That's I don't know if we're, true, like, yeah. supposed to believe that he is, you know, um, severed from, I, I don't know. Yeah, my theory is that Mr. Mistopheles has somehow stolen his connection to the magic cat force. <laughs> <laughs> Tina, in the, canon in, accepted. in the musical, how does this chandelier fucking air balloon transition happen? 
it, pretty much exactly like this, to be honest. The set piece wow. just kind of like raises up and they take her right up into the rafters. I did read that there's, it's it's sort of, it's one of those things where it's sort of, you can make a choice on it if you're putting on this musical and that some sometimes it is a uh, chandelier and sometimes it's a hot air balloon. Well, actually, I don't think it's it's ever been a hot air balloon, but- <laughs> I think uh, it's like an old tire or something. Yeah, um, old, yeah. there's, an old, there's an old tire that rises from the pile of junk and carries her. And then uh, there's, I think in the original productions, there's stairways. And then in the nineties and two thousands, it became a flying saucer basically. <laughs> of milk space cats <laughs> yeah appliance saucer of milk <laughs> so yeah so then um the jellicles are all together uh on one of those lions in trafalgar square mm-hmm. for some reason um and cat, they're watching that's a big Gris- cat it's a big cat lion big cat it's a big cat lion big oh i thought they were just all like uh enthusiasts of the napoleonic wars so i I I mean it can be two things two things can be true and i mean mccavity is the napoleon of crime (laughs) no that's moriarty isn't it moriarty is the mccavity of napoleon got it oh they do but they do at one point there's a poster at the beginning of the movie says moriarty and it switches and then oh yeah and then it switches to mccavity is there is there a play about just moriarty there is now what like why would there be a poster of just Moriarty from your yeah. like There's it'd be so like a poster many... that, not to take it back to the Avengers but it'd be like if there was a poster that just said Thanos that's three <laughs> a don't say that too loudly because Andrew Lloyd Webber will definitely make a Moriarty <laughs> musical also it, in the all the shots of Trafalgar Square like all, all of the posters are cat themed aren't they they've got like Agatha Christie's mousetrap They've got yeah. the cat and the canary. Also, and and a lot of times, or, or it seems like sort of at the very beginning, they're not. And then there's this switch when night happens and they all become cat things. Right. Which actually uh, happens in London. Oh, really? Did yeah. not know that. Wow. Yeah. How, I've been meaning to ask you, how are the milk bars in London? <laughs> Absolutely covered in cats. It's a health that makes sense that makes sense uh so here we are um they're watching grisabella ascend and then um this is the moment old deuteronomy pierces that fourth wall and our souls with a little concluding paragraph the addressing of cats and uh, like and that's it we just we end with oh go ahead i was going to say which includes the completely normal sentence uh, let me give your memory a jog or something. <laughs> if you if you need to give your memory a jog, because that's mm. how you would say that. That's how you say it. Yeah. Then a cat is not a dog. Yeah. Again, so I now I, I retract my the lyrics in this are shit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes, tra- straight up chilling when when Judy Dinch looks into my soul all of a sudden. Uh, it's uh, you know I'm sitting there enjoying a movie. I'm you know I'm separated from it, and all of a sudden she's talking to me. Yeah, um, and I don't. I don't as, like the world, as the world's most basic zoologist, <laughs> the dog is not a cat. A cat yeah. And this is my thesis, my final thesis in zoology. Webster's defines a cat as not a dog. Not a dog. And just like that, we're out, right? That's it. I mean, Taylor, do Taylor we, Swift's beautiful I was going to say plays. we get we get beautiful ghosts as the the credits to play us out. Do you like also, it any better song by Taylor Swift? No. Okay. <laughs> also, you are leaving out the fact that as the balloon chandelier thing floats off into the ether, we see the face of a cat 
in the clouds. Do we? <laughs> yes, you do. I didn't even Just notice that. Just in case for a second you forgot what this fucking movie was. <laughs> oh, Pooper was like, give me a CGI cat face in those clouds. Good Lord. So as, as predicted, that took us way too long. Uh, <laughs> oh, but I... I guess the question I would love to quickly propose before we start talking about remaking this and then and then get out of here is um, did this successfully go from stage to screen? Yes. Ooh, I think so. Wow. I think that so. is a shocking answer from that. I think Zoom. I think the fact that we are here talking about it and the fact <laughs> like like my only my only complaint is that is the the heavy-handed McCavity plotline. Like it, like I know that we're talking about how there's there's no plot in this movie, but I think that my only complaint is that there's too much plot in this movie. Exactly. <laughs> I Steph and I agree with that. I think they just needed to embrace it for what it was. I that would take this movie from like 99 to 100 for me. Like embrace the ridiculousness of it and just just go for it right but i mean general audiences man those general audiences you gotta sell them tickets you, you do. think maybe they were trying to, too much to make it serious or or just not not having not seeing the fun in it i think they were trying too yeah. much to make it a movie yeah, yeah. as opposed I mean, to just what it is it's just it's about cats i mean what if you started off with like a steady cam shot of like a you know a theater in 1982 and you just walk through and then we get the 1982 version of it on stage. You know what I mean? It's just like they were trying to. It's it's a. I'm. I first of all, I say I think this movie is a success in that it's a great hallmark of doing the wrong, like not understanding where the thing's strengths were. You know what I mean? Yeah. And thinking yeah. that no one was going. Those cats don't look enough like cats. That's why I can't get into the <laughs> musical. Like that wasn't the fucking issue. And it made it it lost seventy million dollars, which is yeah. like an amazing number. I mean, yeah, Adam, incredible. can I can I tell you, you saying start the movie off by you know panning down to the theater chills. <laughs> well, it's not even. It's not even my. I'm idea. there. There's uh, the uh, what's it, Olivier's version of uh, Henry V starts in the Globe, oh, and then okay. and then segues to and then the midpoint of the movie it's completely realistic, and then you go back to the Globe. And you could have just of, taken you could have taken credit for it though dude i would never <laughs> like you could just no, been like thank you again it's that thing it's like what what why do people like the movie and then i mean why do people like the play and i don't think people ever like the play because they actually thought there were cats on stage yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean they liked it because yeah. of the song well i think we started our reboot then i think our reboot starts with that steady cam shot <laughs> uh hat tip lawrence olivier <laughs> um, <laughs> And then, you know, I feel like often when we do this, we're going to talk about recasting it, but casting of this movie is so you can pluck almost anyone into any role <laughs> that I'm not like. Re, re, so you say recasting it or recasting it? <laughs> can I get one more take? Yeah. Um, I think if DreamWorks made this movie, they would have to recastenberg it. Um, but yeah, so I, I guess, I guess let's talk at least about like Rum Tum Tugger the 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 sexual uh if you could cast any person from any point in history as rum tum tugger who would you pick oh any point in history i mean i i i kind of if we were going like modern day i would say like put harry styles in there he's in his like he's in his his movie moment right now Mm -hmm. uh very popular i could see him in that milk bar just like (laughs) making it happen right Mm -hmm. 
Love that. I'd love Derulo? to see. Oh, I mean, I don't. First of all, yeah, I have no. I'll, I'll, I'll get Derulo back for the reboot. He's like True. having the time That's of his Cerullo. life. <laughs> I think that the Judy Dench and Ian McKellen are the two, and Jason Derulo, I guess, are the three people who like. I don't want to call them stunt cast because they don't feel like stunt cast, but all of the other Hollywood casts feel a little stunt casty, and like the performances that I love are are all of the people who are dancers and and the randos without a wikipedia page right um, <laughs> which i think made the victoria thing work in this is that she was a yes. relatively unknown in the film sense i know she i think she she's a dancer who had she's some, like yeah i think she's like a principal right um but in terms of you know movie audiences very unknown and i think that's the only reason it worked i mean if that was taylor swift we might not be having this conversation or we'd really be having this conversation. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, I got together some trivia about the movie. I, I'm going to skip over a lot of it, but the, I, I have to read this one. Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber was so affected by the disastrous reception of this movie that he ended up adopting a Havanese puppy and had the dog registered as a therapy pet. When asked by the airline via a note if he really needed the dog, Lloyd Webber responded, yes, just see what Hollywood did to my musical cats. Uh, <laughs> they did to my boy. <laughs> the airline sent an approval back with a note saying no doctor's report required. <laughs> we also, before we get too deep, we we, we should should talk about the butt the butthole cut um uh, two anonymous vfx crew members have come out to say that the butthole cut was real in a sense that is to say buttholes were not intentionally animated onto the actors but the cgi fur was animated in such a way that it was very unfortunate looking and they caught it during and while viewing an edit and it was apparently one guy's job to go through and take out all the buttholes I don't know who like who was low man on the totem pole that week. At- um, did they just did they just cut James Corden's performance? <laughs> oh, that's just, Come on. That was mean. <laughs> I just well, released the butthole cut. I release it. <laughs> release it. Give us the buttholes. I mean, when's the next when's the next kind of important anniversary of this film? When's the five year? When's the ten year? Like so when can the, we write to Tom Hooper about this? I'm assuming that's on the trivia, but like it was released with unfinished CGI, wasn't it? It was also released, yeah, They the, with, Ju, Ju, as you mentioned, Judy Dench's hand with her wedding ring uh, was in a shot. And, and in a truly unprecedented move, Universal basically like gave studios a, a patch for the movie. They, they updated oh. the movie a week after it had been released. I think I, I saw the patch because we wanted to wait till we could laugh. Really get drunk. I didn't want to, <laughs> I didn't want to go early and, and ruin it for anyone. Like seriously, because... You know, some people were, I think some people were going on ironically. Yeah. So you want to be there. Uh, like, I was. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> okay, sorry to interrupt our, our, our reboot talk, but um, should we just jump right into the song? We're, we're pretty late in the show. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, so this is our, when, when we reboot the musical and when this gets picked up, um, like they did with Beautiful Ghosts, uh, we want to add a song, right? We want to- But we're not- that keeping beautiful ghosts beautiful ghost does not make it into the reboot we're agreed on that right you know what i'll, I'll take that as long as my song makes it in yeah swifty can can <laughs> get, get no resist it's, it's getting beautifully ghosted yes <laughs> and so uh so steph and i sat down and tried to figure out what this uh musical need honestly it's a very easy musical to insert a song into because it's just characters walking in and saying, here's who I am. And so Steph had the idea that she was like, well, these guys have got to be getting catnip from someone. <laughs> so who are they getting catnip from? And then she said three words that changed my life. 
And those words <laughs> were nip the link. And I guess that's all I want to say before I go, before I go ahead and play this for you guys. So here we go. One minute and 50 seconds. I, I guess I know that's not all. I want. Here's what I want to say. This process of, of uh, me writing songs to add to musicals. I guess what you should know is that I don't understand music theory. Um, and <laughs> there was a point where, uh, yesterday Steph was like well I can you know I can add some background vocals I can go up a third or down a third or whatever you need me to do and I said I don't know what that means um and that should tell you everything you need to know about the process that me and Steph have of uh writing and, and adding these songs to the musicals I don't understand musical theory I just like to write songs sometimes I thought, I thought you were gonna go I don't understand music theory or music practice <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the listener will be able to judge for themselves <laughs> Uh, so here we go. This is our song that we're adding into our remake of Cats. Nip the link only on Kiss FM. This is when they're walking in. Nip the link, nip the link, nip the link, oh boy. Nip the link, nip the link, nip the link, oh boy. You're in the middle of the night when you feel that itch running up your tail. Can't go to the pet store to get your fix. You can't order it in the mail. <laughs> There's only one cat that you can call to take you to the brink. Nine lives to die. Might as well get high. You gotta come nip the link. Nip the link. Nip the link. <laughs> Put the meat back in me, meow. Nip the link. Nip the link. Check me out when it's time to check out. Some cats like Valerian, and some like Silver Vine. Some cats say, I like my kibble and crossword just fine. They don't let us cheat their bud, don't let us drink in bars. So call the cat who takes you from the gutter to the stars. Nip the link, nip the link, let's get extra sensory. Nip the link, nip the link. I'm a nip dispensary. <laughs> Every Tomcat, Dick, and Sally knows nip would be up their alley, but you're so worried what they'll all think. You are one nip, admit it, but no one knows just where to get it. Everyone just needs a sneaky link. Nip the link, nip the link. I'll find you if you're down. Nip the link, nip the link. Just have some nip and roll around, yeah. Nip the link, nip the link. I don't know why this stuff's allowed. Nip the link, nip the link. But I'm on nip right now. Ow! <laughs> there it is. Nip the link. Uh, when, wow. I, I should have mentioned this before. And backup vocals by Tina and Steph. Uh, Adam, you were not involved. <laughs> So I guess now's as good a time to mention uh, as any that uh, the only place where you'll be able to find uh, the songs that we write on this podcast will be uh, our Patreon for Dumb Fun Podcast at patreon.com slash dumb fun. Uh, so check that out. There's a bunch of different ways you can support us and uh, we certainly appreciate it. Tina, Adam, thank you guys so much for being our first guest and talking about the best musical ooh, movie ooh. ever made. Thank uh, you. Cats 2019. T- Tina, this is a question that we always ask comedians and I don't know exactly what you're going to do with it, but is there anything you'd like to plug? Nothing. You, I'm, I'm a mom and I sit at home. Uh, so we're all good. We're Wonderful. good. You were, I mean, I think it's time for you to start your own podcast. You're, you're so delightful on this. You, you got the setup. You'll certainly be back. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm actually, I, I'm going to start my own competing podcast. Oh so. no. <laughs> podcast, the movie, the movie, the musical. 
Yes. <laughs> uh, Adam, what do you got coming up? People can just find me on uh, the socials, the ATP Burke, and then there's uh, a link tree there that just has all my shows coming up. Uh, you can hear me on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on August the 6th. Uh, Beautiful. You're you're one of this country's uh, great stand-up comedians. People should oh, always see you live if they get the chance. Thank you very much. Steph? Check out my podcast. It's called Musical, the Movie, the Podcast. <laughs> it's what you're currently listening to. Perfect. You get a taste of that Patreon too, as well as, uh, uh, I guess I'll just mention, um, it's the Dumb Fun Podcast Network, which is three podcasts total, 30 characters, which Adam, you're, you're a friend of. You've been on that mm-hmm. show. You played upwards of one character. Yes. Uh, yeah. Two. You played two characters. <laughs> And uh, uh, a new podcast, which which just started last week and will be coming out alternating Mondays with this podcast called Fanny Falls Demon Hunter, which is a fake rewatch podcast that I have started with Steph Weber, where we play washed up actors from a TV show from the 90s, talking about the TV show, playing clips from the TV show, uh, interviewing people that worked on the TV show. It never actually happened, but we're acting like it did. <laughs> it's so much fun. And it took way more work than you think to make it to make all the, <laughs> all the fake clips of the show uh it's it's an absolute delight and uh please check that out fanny falls demon hunter that's where you get your podcast and again you can support 30 characters fanny falls demon hunter and musical the movie the podcast at patreon.com slash dumb fun and you can find me on twitter and instagram and uh yeah i think that's it guys thank you guys so much Steph, anything you want to say <laughs> no i was just thinking that it really feels like we should have like something to sing here but I'm not Something, gonna do oh, that. Yeah, are you no. gonna have like an outro song? Oh Bye. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, the listener's about <laughs> to hear the best outro song <laughs> that I've definitely one, written. Two, uh, one, two, three. Edit. Musical the movie, the podcast. Musical the movie, the podcast. Musical the movie, the podcast with Andy and Steph. Fun, dumb.